There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon. This is episode number 248, and today on the show, we are back for another episode of Rut Radio, in which we're getting from the field reports from hunters all across the country about the latest deer activity, the progress of the rut, and the tactics working right now. All right, and welcome to the Wired Hunt Podcast brought to you by Onyx. As you can tell, this is an on-the-road edition. I am driving to a new spot to hunt, but we are still here for Rut Radio. We're talking to a bunch of hunters across the country to find out what's happening in the Whitetail Woods right now and holding down the fort in our South Dakota, South Dakota, not South Dakota, South Dakota studio. Spencer is over there. How are you, man? I'm doing good, Mark. I am very excited that it is now November, uh, November 6th as we record this, and tomorrow, November 7th, uh, the hunting will be even better than it is today, and I'm going to reference an article that's going to be coming out on Meat Eater tomorrow uh, that I wrote called The Best Day of the Whitetail Route, where I talked to 10 big buck experts, and the date that was picked by the majority of them is the favorite is November 7th. So when this episode drops, uh, the hunting is going to be great as they all predict. And the majority of them pick a date between November 7th and November 10th. So we are absolutely in the best time of year here for a whitetail archery hunter. I will not disagree with that. It is that, uh, man, it's what we've been waiting for. I mean, last week I know we were talking about it being on our doorstep and now it is actually here. And um, from everything I'm hearing across the country, there's been a lot of action. I've been seeing some action. Um, so this is my kind of rut report week. I like it. So on a 1 to 10 scale, I'm going to give it uh, like a 7 or 8 probably. Um, maybe a few days ago I would have told you an 8. Maybe by today I would tell you it dropped down to a 7. Um, earlier this week and over the weekend, was seeing a lot of chasing, um, a lot of young bu- young bucks all over the place chasing. 
And then um, I did see there's one mature bubble, several three-year-olds. So in Michigan, that's a kind of mature buck. Um, so three-year-olds running all over the place. And then one five-and-a-half-year-old buck that I've been seeing that uh, has been chasing does too. But the biggest thing he's been doing over the last six days is he's been most of that time been locked on to a doe. So I actually saw this buck breed a doe right in front of me. So um, there's definitely some of that happening in the woods here in Michigan. And the last day or two, a lot of my friends have been kind of experiencing the same thing, almost lockdown type conditions in that they're not seeing as many deer just today and yesterday. Um, now, of course, this is just based off of anecdotal you know, observations for a few people. So I'm sure there's other people that are seeing all sorts of seeking and chasing and craziness like that. Um, but just me and a handful of folks, it seemed like I was seeing that on the second, third, fourth, and the last couple of days is slow just a bit, but, um, but still it's, uh, it's exciting stuff. Are you seeing anything similar to that? Yeah. Uh, I was seeing, really great movement like starting in the october like late october 20s through a few days ago now the movement has still been solid these last few days but i I don't think it was has been as good as what it was like five days ago seven days ago now i'm i'm hesitant to say that like the best hunting is behind us or that this is an early rut we do need to acknowledge that the rutting moon was october 24th this year which calls for an earlier rut um and i think that's something we'll take a look at at the end of the season here mark when we do our recap episode because um, some early signs here are showing that maybe the rut was a little bit sooner this year or, or that maybe not the rut, but the, the best uh, rutting movement uh, right. has been taking place a little bit earlier than maybe normal. Yeah. I mean, like you said, that around that time frame of the quote unquote rutting moon, a lot of big deer were getting shot. I mean, a ton. So um, I don't know if there's anything to it. I know we, we've kind of talked about in the past, interesting theory and you can't argue with the activity that folks saw this year so uh it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the rut progresses you know another another kind of moon related theory um the Drury's like to talk about how the moon exposes some of the running activity daylight running activity and this year based off the timing of the moon they were thinking that it was going to be more of a trickle run um so kind of scattered running movement and um more kind of based around fronts and then a slightly better early time period, kind of like what we saw. And then a little bit slower during the typical best time period. So let's say the first week of November. Um, And then they were predicting maybe a little bit better than usual later in the month. Um, So that's another one of those moon ideas that um, I don't know what to think about it, but it is kind of interesting. Um, So it'd be interested to hear what the reports that we get to this week say, if they're all seeing something kind of similar to you and me um, or not. Yeah, definitely something that, like I said, I think we'll revisit at the end of the year when we recap the 2018 season. But on this week's yeah. episode, we have Michael Hunsucker from Heartland Bowhunter in Missouri, and then in South Dakota from the Outdoor Forum is Dylan Tramp. Then we talked to Andrew Maxwell in Alabama from the Southern Outdoorsman, and then Byron Horton in Ohio from the Whitetail Experience. Excellent. And anything else we need to cover uh, between you and me, or do you think we should just get to those uh folks from cross country well one thing i want to ask you mark and is a question that uh on this week's episode i ask all of our guests is that what is your ideal rut setup like paint us that picture 
of this time of year, November 7th, where you want to be sitting uh, to catch a mature buck moving. moving. So usually my favorite place to be at this time of year is on the downwind side of a, a perfect bedding, a doe bedding area, perfect doe bedding area. Um, if that downwind side of a doe bedding area also happens to be where habitat and terrain kind of pinch movement into a slightly smaller area too, that's even better. Because like, again, I think, you know, at the, at the simplest level when you're hunting the rut, it's either doe bedding areas or pinch points, you know, connecting bedding areas or bedding to feeding areas because we're just trying to catch those bucks moving between those doe hotspots. Um, so if I were to elaborate a little more, let's say we got a, let's say it's like a big brushy field. I really love spots where you can see during the rut as well. Now, this is very dependent on the areas you're at, but if you've got a kind of bedding area that's like, let's call it a big CRP field, maybe some scattered cedars around it, um, some scrubby brush, so it's a doe bedding area but it's also the kind of area that you can sit on the edge of it and see a bunch of it. That's awesome to me because you, you get the benefit of being on the downwind side of a doe bedding area, but then you also get the added benefit of being able to see bucks moving in and around it. And then you can call. And at this time of year, calling works better than any other time of the year, in my opinion. So that's kind of an ideal setup. I'd love to be, you know, maybe on the edge of that CRP cedar brushy field. Um, let's say in a perfect world then I also have like a, a, a steep ravine behind me or a creek or a river behind me. So if my wind is blowing back over a barrier that uh, the deer aren't going to be crossing, so they're not going to win me, I can see this whole area. But any buck that wants to smell that dill bedding area is going to come in between me and that you know bedding area, but that river is going to force them to be in front of me. Um, that would be a perfect scenario. I can't tell you I've found that perfect scenario all that many times, um, but that's the kind of thing I'm looking for at least. Yeah, I, I would agree with you that bedding is key to look for and uh, having those funnels or pinch points. Uh, you know, largely if I was picking out a place to hunt for this week with a bow, I'd be looking for some place that's been unpressured, uh, you know, unpressured from yourself, uh, making sure others haven't been in there if you're on public land, looking for those places that people have not been so those deer are as comfortable as possible. Uh, hopefully, you know, you've been saving a spot for early November like this, and that's something you could take advantage of right now. Uh, yeah, and then to go with that, just pinch points and funnels and probably worrying less about food sources, uh, you, you know, maybe traveling to food but not actually sitting on food and then uh you know you can look for sign but i think at this point a lot of the sign has gone cold so that's not yeah. necessarily something that uh you need to be like oh i have to find a scrape line to sit on yeah yeah at this point it's just fine i mean if you really want to keep it simple find the does that's kind of the name of the game everything revolves around that and then just putting in the time I mean, if, if you're if you're in those areas, the bucks are going to be checking for does. If you spend enough time there and make sure you're hunting it smart, something's going to happen. It's just a matter of being able to grind it out. Absolutely. All right, Mark. Well, good luck with your uh, rutcation here coming up in Michigan, but let's get to our first caller. Sounds good, man. Thank you, and good luck to you, too. Before we get to our first update, though, let's pause for a word from our sponsors at Whitetail Properties. This week with Whitetail Properties, we are joined by Dave Skinner, a land specialist out of Kentucky. And Dave is going to be telling us about what to look for when buying a property with intentions of early season whitetail hunting. 
You know, in Kentucky, our season comes in in September, and if you're looking specifically for that early season hunt, there's a couple things to keep in mind. One, just like late season, food sources are king, um, and there's two food sources in Kentucky that trump everything else in September, soybeans and acorns. Um, if I'm looking to hunt specifically that early season, I want to make certain I either have soybeans on the property or adjacent to the property. Uh, more than anything, though, acorns are always number one. Uh, I want to know that there's white oak trees on the property um, because when those acorns are falling, that's where the deer will be. If you'd like to learn more and to see the properties that Dave currently has listed for sale, visit whitetailproperties.com backslash Skinner. That's S-K-I-N-N-E-R. All right, and joining us on the line next is Mike Hunsucker from Heartland Hunter in Missouri. Now, Mike, in Missouri, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? It's been pretty good. Um, man, I'd probably, I'd probably say an 8. Uh, yeah, so I mean, the rut's obviously just, you know, getting kicking and going. And um, the past, you know, several days, or four or five, six days, we've seen uh, several of our, our target bucks, five-and-a-half-year-old bucks, and, um, you know, we just haven't had the luck on our side to, to come together, but we've been seeing them and have a lot of close close encounters, close calls. Um, you know, they're out chasing and looking, you know, trying to find those first does coming in the heat. Mike, tell me a little bit about what your ideal rut setup is. Uh, a little bit about what the kind of things you're looking for this time of year and where your tree stand is placed, hoping to catch a mature buck. Honestly, I kind of bounce around. Um, I, I love hunting with a decoy, and especially this, this time of year when, you know, the, the bucks are getting real territorial and, like, you know, looking for that first doe coming in the heat. Like, I love being in a position to where you can see a long way, you can call, and you can have a decoy out. Um, if I can't do that, my, my, you know, next best thing is going to be, you know, somewhere tight in the timber, close to bedding to where, um, you know, you're, you're going to be in the action because – you know, food plots and, you know, feeders and that type of stuff. Like that's all like dead this time of year. Like the deer aren't, they don't care about the food. They're not, they're not focused on that. The does are getting harassed that are in the food plots that are, you know, at the feeders, they're getting messed with. So they're in hiding. And so, um, you know, it kind of just takes all that off the table. Tell me a little bit about your decoy strategy. If it's a buck or a doe and, and what their posture is like. I've actually only really done a buck decoy um and i you know i've i've I literally like just the other day i was like you know what a doe decoy would be great because one of our uh bucks that we were you know targeting actually came out and we called to him and he was on a string coming to us and he looks over to the right and all of a sudden there's a, a doe over to the right and he sees her and just bolts right to her and so i was like man like you know maybe a doe decoy would work work nicely but i haven't messed with them too much but the, but the buck decoy you know i it like it works. I found it to work with, you know, all sorts of age age class of bucks. And so, you know, typically we're gonna, um, you know, set it depending on the wind and, and how things go. And we put it out 20, 30 yards in front of us and um, in high visibility areas where you're gonna see, you know, deer and be able to call to them, get their attention, get them to lock on the decoy. And I've had some pretty good luck over the the, the past few years. And um, it's, I mean, I'm telling you, there's no more exciting way to, to hunt whitetails than with a decoy. And are you doing one antler or two antlers, and are, are you changing the ears at all to uh, maybe adjust their posture? Yeah, so we uh, I'm using the DSD buck decoy, which is uh, by design, aggressive posture, ears laid back. 
one or two antlers just depends on if one falls out when I'm walking in or not. But, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, um, it's a respectable 105 inch eight pointer. So like, you know, nice buck. And, um, I've done it both ways. You know, I'm like, if I lose an antler or whatever falls off or I don't have both of them, I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, one antler it doesn't really tend to matter too much. I mean, some of the smaller bucks, obviously maybe not get super aggressive with it, but you know, when you get a big dominant, mature deer that sees the decoy it doesn't matter if he's got both sides or not he's coming after him i know you run a lot of trail cameras on your farm uh do those give you any valuable intel this time of year or are you hunting the areas you're going to be hunting regardless of what those are telling you yeah they actually do and it's funny i, I kind of i don't know I, I i try not to put too much weight or effort into the trail camera situation this time of year but um i don't know i feel like th- this year in the, in the past couple of years like you know you get the the intel on when a buck is is not with a doe and like they they get with the doe and they it seems like on the areas that we're hunting you know high density high density areas you know the deer are when they get a doe and he they kind of isolate themselves they kind of lock down and they try to get you know away from everything else and when they don't have a doe they just are cruising on the loose and just the other day we had a hunt where we had uh, i saw two different five and a half year old bucks in the same hunt both of them literally running around like with like a chicken with their head cut off, like just looking for that next doe. And so trail cameras can be huge in that aspect is like when you know a buck breaks from a doe and is on the loose looking for one, um, then that's the time to get after it. And that's where, you know, the, the use of cellular technology and the cell cameras has changed things because we don't like to tromp around this time of year and like check cam- check a bunch of cameras, try to figure stuff out, you know, but if you're getting it on your phone, getting on your computer and you, you know get the, the intel right there then it helps you know when when deer are going to be freeing up and, and on the loose i imagine every fall you're getting bucks this time of year that you have never seen before has that happened yet this season where you're finding some mature bucks move in that you've never seen or maybe haven't seen like since the summer yeah yeah definitely um it, it kind of throughout the year there's this you know deer moving in deer moving out kind of deal and it's funny that, to, you know, you really sort of notice it the more that we run cameras and we kind of keep tabs on things. You know, some of the deer that show up like late October every year are, are showing up the same, you know, four or five days a year. And so we try to keep uh, keep tabs on all that and kind of understand, you know, what when deer are moving in, when they're moving out. And we adjust our, you know, strategies based off of that because especially if we're going to have a deer that usually leaves us and goes somewhere else and then we're going to target him early season or if we have a deer that's coming in, you know, this time of year, then we'll, we'll kind of hold off and wait and see what happens. And so, yeah, it's definitely changed things the way we look at it. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Missouri? Uh, I don't know about the whole next week, but I'm literally tomorrow, like tomorrow is, I'm so excited about tomorrow. Like we've had just rainy, nasty weather and today was good, but it's just, super windy 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 all day so tomorrow it's going to be a little bit more calm cold front coming in it's going to be the coldest morning uh in the past week or so if not more and uh i think tomorrow is going to be the best day of uh of the of november and so i don't know how that'll pan out the rest of the week obviously later in the week i'm sure that you know a lot of people are going to experience you know what they call lockdown and um, so, you know, you're going to be hit or miss necessarily, but tomorrow should be awesome. All right, Mike, well, I like your optimism and good luck in Missouri. Thanks for joining me. All right. Thanks. 
All right, and joining us on the line next is Dylan Tramp from the Outdoor Forum in South Dakota. Now, Dylan, in South Dakota, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Man, I'd have to say it's probably a solid 9. Bucks have been on their feet pretty much all throughout the day, and things are starting to happen, that's for sure. And so this time of year, what would be your ideal setup? Uh, what's the, the kind of area you're looking for to kill a mature buck in uh, early November? Well, I, I spend most of my time hunting public land. So a key that I would look for is an, an unpressured area, a place where I don't expect to see hunters. And then within that area, find a, find a good funnel where it just is naturally going to funnel the movement. If there's sign any rubs or scrapes more the better but mainly that funnel is what you're looking for to and from different bedding areas and and just a gateway that you can most likely intercept a cruising buck you mentioned before that you've been seeing some midday movement tell me a little bit about that yeah the the most mature biggest buck i've seen so far he was at one o'clock and he was already has about well i think it was november 2nd he was already on the move just cruising looking for does you could tell he was on a mission there's been some smaller bucks moving midday too but it's just starting to heat up that that exciting time of the year we all look forward to you were talking about sign making a little bit before what are you seeing for rubs and scrapes are are those still active or do you think maybe those have gone cold i think they're still active but the the scrapes that i've sat near seems like the little bucks and yearlings are hitting them and freshening them up and the two and three year olds that have been walking through, they seem to just walk right past the scrapes. I don't think they're so concerned with that right now. They're looking for the doe and heat, I think. Will you do any calling this time of year? I know you hunt public land, so maybe that uh, has you hesitant to do any calling, but is that something that you use? Yeah, just tonight I, I debated that same thing. Like, well, I'm, I'm sure they've heard every grunt and rattle, rattle pack on the market today. So I, I decided not to call tonight, but. I always keep the grunt tube handy for a for a calling scenario that you've got nothing to lose. Then I'll whip it out, but I don't rely too heavily on it here in eastern South Dakota. Running some trail cameras on public land, does that give you any really valuable intel for this time of year? Or regardless of what your trail cams tell you, you're going to be hunting uh, the same areas you'd be hunting even if they were lit up with giant bucks? Yeah, that's, that's a tough one because my trail cameras haven't been too good this year. But yeah, though. If you've got them up in all summer, they'll tell you what's in the area and things definitely change on public land, but you can key in on a few good bucks in the area. Then if you're likely to figure out travel corridors, you might just intercept them. Definitely a good tool even for the public land hunter, but you're going to lose one every once in a while, just part of the game. This week in South Dakota, uh, we've been dealing with a lot of rain, sometimes snow, sometimes freezing rain. Have you noticed any deer movement being affected by that? Yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised. The two days of rain that I sat in this week, they're they're moving. Didn't even didn't even phase them. I was kind of hoping the movement would be slow so I could go home and get dry, but it wasn't the case. Going forward, then this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in South Dakota? Solid ten. I mean, this is this is the time of year we all wait for. I think the like everyone talks about the uh, bell curve. I think the rut and all the activities heating up up into I don't know maybe the tenth. So I think the best is yet to come still. 
All right, Dylan, well, good luck in South Dakota. I hope you're sending me a big buck down text very soon. Thanks for joining me. I hope so. Thanks. All right, and joining us on the line next is Andrew Maxwell in Alabama from the Southern Outdoorsman. Now, Andrew, in Alabama, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, I would have to probably give it a solid 5 for these last few days. Um, we had some pretty decent cold temperatures last week, and a lot of deer hit the ground. But uh, as of the last few days, it's been pretty warm. And the activity that I've been seeing from myself as well as my buddies and our trail cameras we're definitely seeing more nighttime movement um especially on the scrapes and everything we put a lot of trail cameras on scrapes this time of year and pretty much everything has been at night these last few days now while the rest of the country is talking about seeking and chasing and peak rut and lockdown that kind of thing you guys are well behind the schedule when it comes to that what stage of the rut would you say that your part of alabama is in i would definitely say that we're kind of in the later part of our early season for the vast majority of alabamians we're probably roughly two months out from the rut you're gonna have pockets here and there that run a little bit earlier than that but yeah i mean we're, we're still a long ways out for the rut. So everything that we're kind of focusing on right now is definitely still that like almost like a bed to food pattern. And we're even still seeing bucks bachelored up in some places. A little bit earlier, you talked about some scrapes. Are you seeing a lot of sign making yet or is it too early for that? Uh, it's still pretty early for it, but I am starting to see rubs here and there and uh, once you get in on some good bedding, you'll find some uh, community scrapes opened up. But the vast majority of, of sign making that, that we're looking for right now is definitely just feed sign. Uh, buck sign, I would say, is pretty sporadic and not something to necessarily focus in on right now, for us at least. If I can find a nice community scrape, which I have two located right now that is you know, in very close proximity to a bedding area, like within 100 yards, I'll definitely be hunting that. Even though we're way out from the rut, I run cameras on those kind of scrapes uh, from basically September until whenever I take it out, which is usually December or so. And they have daylight movement on them pretty much all season, even though we're still, you know, well over two months away from the rut throughout most of the state, they're still using those scrapes and communicating. So uh, I'm actually going to sit on one tomorrow and hopefully catch a buck, you know, poking out of that bedding area a little bit before dark. Check out that scrape before he goes to feed. You referenced on focusing on bed to food. What are those food sources that you're checking out right now? So right now it's definitely heavily white oaks and red oaks, uh, as usual. And uh, as far as greens go, we're, we've been seeing a lot of deer feeding on clover, particularly. Um I don't know if it has to do with the warmer temperatures or what, but it seems like clover is doing good right now. So if you got clover on your property, that's probably something good to key in on. And other than that, just natural browse. Um, if you can find some like poke salad or something that's still still nice and green, they're eating on that pretty hard as well as green briar. But acorns definitely trump everything right now for us. Will you hunt any mornings this early in the season? I've I've hunted a few so far. Um I don't necessarily like it that much, which is kind of something I've been changing this year. Uh, I've definitely seen a lot more productivity on my afternoon hunts, for sure. Uh, pretty much every afternoon, I'm seeing deer, and 
mornings just haven't been very productive. And same thing with uh, all the guys I know and keep in touch with around the state. Most everybody's been killing deer in the evenings, specifically bucks. Going forward then this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Alabama? Honestly, I would say that this Saturday would probably be up there around like a 9. We're getting a good rainstorm Friday across most of the state with a nice cold front pushing in. And uh, conditions couldn't be any better, especially for those scrapes that I just mentioned. So I think this weekend will be really, really good. All right, Andrew. Well, I'm definitely jealous of the weather you guys have down there, but uh, I'm happy my part of the country is rutting. So good luck in Alabama. Yeah, I appreciate it, Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line next is Byron Horton from the Whitetail Experience in Ohio. Now, Byron, in Ohio, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I would go with what we've seen over the last couple of days, a solid 7. So, one, I almost hit a basket rack driving home from work today. Um, so, so, so that was interesting. And then on, on Saturday, we, uh, we had a four point come in grunting and kind of pushing around a doe and had two bucks then show up, uh, oh, roughly an hour later. And I don't know if we witnessed maybe the, one of the early does coming in. So, so it was kind of the train of bucks effect and, and we ended up harvesting, um, one of the bucks that came in later that day. Um, and then obviously tonight we, we did have a spike bumping some does, um, around. So, so definitely the younger bucks and, and, and some of the, the older class are starting to, to make themselves visible and, and showing their running behavior. In a place like Ohio and uh, hunting public land, like you guys do, what is your ideal setup for the rut? Oh, um, sometimes we'll tap into a historically really good spot that we've got a little more uh, experience with obviously we got to look at the the pressure situation heavily um, if we're seeing out-of-state guys um, coming in which is pretty popular this time of year uh, we know that that's a little bit higher caliber of hunter and, and we tend to avoid those areas and and maybe either revisit those real late in November um, or just write them off completely so yeah pressure is the name of the game right now for us are there any food sources that you're focusing on specifically or does that kind of go out the window this time of year you know, I'm not too concerned with, with food sources this time of year. I, I'm, I'm keying in a, a lot more on doe bedding um, and, and maybe situations where there's still some private land food and public land bedding. How about with sign making? Are you still find, finding rubs and scrapes uh, that look fresh? Yeah, uh, I was bouncing around um, this weekend and, and came across scrapes that, that were still opened up within the last 24 hours easily. Um, I, I think that's something to watch, but I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be hitting that near as hard as I, I would have five to six days ago. Um, I, I think you're you're better off to concentrate on those and uh, terrain-type features that funnel them in. Do you guys use any trail cameras on public land? Yeah, yeah. We currently have some long-term soakers. Um, we're also some pulling a couple different trail cams that we'll set out in midsummer, knowing we're going to hunt an area and, and then pull that card and, and – depending on either number of shooters or if one good shooter's in there, um, we may bounce around a few of the doe bedding areas we know about in that area. Now, how aggressive are you with calling? Obviously, uh, hunting public land, that's something that you have to put a little more consideration into. So is that a tactic that you'll use? I actually don't even carry a grunt tube anymore. I, I, 
I'll snort wheeze occasionally, but I, I want to be in a particular situation that I don't need to call a deer. I want to be in a situation where a buck's already going to be, be passing through. Um, I just don't see definitely no rattling antlers. Um, but yeah, if I want to make a grunting noise, I may do it with just a verbal, but nothing, nothing crazy. And are there any outside factors that, uh, get you really excited for a specific day in early November, for example, if we had a, a cold front or if it was really windy or raining, or if there was a certain moon phase, is there anything, uh, that gets you more amped up this time of year or because it's early November, none of that other stuff, uh, you know, has you paying any attention to it? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's realistically if, if you've got time to hunt right now, um, it's just a matter of time and tree at this time of year and uh, weekdays tend to be a little better on the public land. I, I kind of like weekdays just because you have less people to compete with. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Ohio? Oh, it's here, man. I, I think somebody who's going to put a couple sits in this week, they're going to catch it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and predict, you know, 9, 10 out of 10 because – this is what you live for, man. All right, Byron. Well, congrats on that great buck from late October, and I'm as excited as you are for this week. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks a lot, Spencer. Appreciate it. And that concludes this week's episode of Wired to Hunts Rut Radio. Thanks to Michael, Dylan, Andrew, and Byron for joining me, and thank you guys for listening. As always, make sure you're following Wired Hunt on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and follow me, Spencer Newharth, and my blog, Rutfresh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. I hope as you're listening to this that you are either on your way to a tree stand or coming home from a tree stand because it is that time of year that we all wait for. The rut is here. There is no better time to kill a mature buck than right now. I hope next time that I talk to you guys, I have a report that includes me killing one of those big bucks. So send some good thoughts my way as well. And until then, stay wired to hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.